This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What it do, Hardwood Knox babies? I am Dan Pavalli coming at you with the incredibly esteemed, awesome times, awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario. Just listen to me vent about tearing my labrum and was very positive and gave me great advice and was just really nice and let me vent co-host Andrew D. Bailey. We are back. Hardwood Knox is back. We really weren't away that long. It's good to have Andy back, though. He was on a little bit of a break as he handled actual real-life stuff. The, the nerve of him to have more important priorities than this podcast. We've got a great mailbag for you today. Uh, lots of great questions here. Before we get started, I just want to continue reminding, imploring, begging from my knees, pleading with everyone. Please continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. Those numbers going up really help us. It takes 10 to 15 seconds out of your day, maybe less if you're skilled on the computer. We know there are a ton of people that haven't rated and reviewed us yet based on our listening numbers. If you have not subscribed, definitely do that first and foremost. If you have completed all of those three tasks, please recommend us. Friends, family, enemies, frenemies, acquaintances, randos on the street. They will all thank you later. We hope, we think. We actually really don't know, but do it anyway. We can also be found wherever else you're consuming your podcast. You don't need to worry about that. Still, iTunes is the best way to help us and let us know that you are out there and listening. Also, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Hardwood Knox. Also, be sure to follow Andy on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. Also, 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 please follow Mo on Twitter at Mo Dakil underscore MBA. That's M O D A K H I L underscore MBA. You can follow me at Dan Favalli, F A V A L E. Finally, be sure to follow Blue Wire on Twitter as well. We tried to get people who were going to ask us questions for this mailbag to follow Blue Wire as part of the task. That proved medium effective. Please don't make us ask in situations like those. Just follow Blue Wire Pods. You won't regret it. At Blue Wire Pods. Now that all of that is out of the way, we get to the question that we have not been able to ask this specific person in, I think, two weeks and change-ish. Andy, how are you doing? I am doing great. Uh, that was a rousing introduction, so I appreciate that. And I just want all the listeners to know that there is no load management going on with Dan Favelli. He is fighting through the pain like, uh, I'm going to say a hockey player. This is some hockey player toughness you're you're exhibiting here right now. I'm going to tell you so. right now, I am not even close to as tough as any sort of athlete. <laughs> I'm a big effing baby, and it has showed since this injury. Just I, I disagree, first of all. Um, and second of all, uh, thank you for the introduction. Thank you for getting it out and let's dive into this mailbag. If you're ready. Um, I was going to say the one news nugget. That oh, go for it. Yeah. Is Shams, uh, from the athletic tweeted. Oh yeah. Yesterday, yeah. Memphis wants three-time champion Andre Godala to report to training camp and is refusing right now to engage in a buyout, which would prevent Godala from finishing a hall of fame career on his terms, because this may be his final NBA season. Definitely. Copy and pasted for Miguel's something. That's exactly what I was just gonna say. I was gonna ask you, did he just copy and paste that text from Igadala? Yeah, it's look, I understand Iggy wants a buyout and to choose where he's going to play. This is not on the Grizzlies. If anything, it's on the Warriors because yeah. they shipped him to a rebuilding team with a first round pick so that they could make room for D'Angelo Russell and stay under the hard cap all, all that salary cap noise. This is on them before it's on the Grizzlies, and there's a chance that Iguodala is still going to have value on the open market as an expiring contract. I don't know if they get an expiring contract and a pick and prospect for Iguodala, like Harkless plus a pick or Harkless plus Jerome Robinson from the Clippers for Iggy. 
but they are in a situation where maybe you could trade a Godala to a team, and if you're willing to take on a contract that has two years of money left, you get a, a better pick with it. Iggy has value to them, and, and if I'm the Grizzlies, this, this sounds cruel, but again, the Warriors sent him there. This is not yep. on the Grizzlies. It would be on them. I'm holding out, and unless he's going to give back half his salary or, or something mind-boggling like that, you wait until the trade deadline passes, and, and then you figure it out after that. Yeah, I think it's funny that they he compared the situation to Dwight Howard too. Like, like they're anything alike. Um, if this was they, maybe 2011, yeah. that makes up. No, not even 2011, but Dwight Howard on the Rockets level. Say so second, yeah. second year there. That might be. I, I just it really there, there's no comparison there. It's it's very easy to see how the Grizzlies might be able to recoup some value in a trade for Andre Iguodala. So it makes complete and total sense for them to do what they're doing. Um, I really want the Nuggets to trade for him. I just don't know what they give up unless they're flipping Will Barton, which I wouldn't be completely against because that contract does not age particularly well. I I think they're in love with Mason Plumlee and and Memphis has enough big, so I don't think a Plumlee for a Godala swap with extra stuff in there would be on the table. I'd love to see him in Denver. Uh, it'd be the Clippers are obvious, much- obviously a good destination. The Lakers don't have the trade fodder. Miami is sort of interesting. I just don't know what you attach to Myers Leonard's ex- expiring deal, or do you just go nuclear and can you give away a, a you know a six or seven year future draft pick with Dion Waiters to Memphis or something like that? But he, that that would be another good destination. Um, I'm, I pulled up the old tradeNBA.com. They'd only have to the Nuggets would have to include another one point one million in salary. Look, I just so, don't think the minutes are gonna be there for him long term. Juan Hernan Gomez and Mason Plumley for Andre Godala. Let's just go there. That's an interesting one, yeah. Um Barton and Vanderbilt gets it done too. I'm way too high on Jared Vanderbilt, and if you think Grant is gonna join Millsap in free agency, that price tag is a little high for me. Iguodala, look, if you're giving up Barton, then yes, because that, again, that contract is not age well. I understand. He's yeah, you got to give him something good, like along with Barton, if you're going to do that. Right. So Vanderbilt, uh, but if if you're going to go Mason Plumley, yeah, but then who's your backup five? I guess Millsap and Grant. I'd actually, I'd actually be there for it. There are, I like Jeremy Grant as a five. There are a lot of permutations actually for Denver now that we're looking at their payroll slash roster. You have Barton. The problem is, is that they don't really have a true small forward or some, a true wing outside of, let's say, Grant. And Barton's probably the closest they come. It's between him or Malik Beasley. And so maybe they're a little bit reluctant to give him up, especially when you don't know who what Michael Porter Jr. is going to be. There are just between – if I'm looking at Torrey Craig, Barton, Juan and Gomez, and Plumlee. There, there just has to be two of those guys, one of the bigger salaries and someone else. I feel like there's a permutation there that would really work. I don't know if, if so he that, wants to uh, be in Denver, but the Nuggets are going to be really good. And I think a lot of those uh, permutations still leave one of my favorite trades on the table, the Bradley Beal to the Nuggets. If if they somehow wind up with like Jamal Murray, Bradley Beal, Andre Iguodala, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic. Jeremy Grant. Ooh. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's the holy shit team. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. This is from I actually Joe. Have, oh, go, go ahead. Go for it. I was going to say the, the final Ashley news nugget I have, and I it, it's Woj tweeting that the NBA notified teams that it won't allow players to wear, quote, yeah. ninja, style, ninja style headwear this season from NBA spokesman Mike Bass. Uh, Bass also said the headwear hasn't been through the league approval process. Teams have raised concerns regarding safety and consistency of size, length. Holy hell. Is that no, just. Yeah. That's that's just so bad. This is did Jimmy Butler wear floor length headbands that covered his eyes last year? I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know. That I saw that. I'm just sorry. The everyone touts the NBA is just progressive and relative to other professional sports leagues. It definitely is. This is among the stupidest things ever. And there was wasn't there was it Shams or someone else that tweeted a, a few days ago that Nike and the NBA didn't deem them professional looking enough. These guys. Yeah. Like, basketball for a living who cares yeah yeah somebody i think it was danny Morang writes for the he writes about the blazers he he posted a bunch of pictures of players with long hair and 
I can't remember how he put it. It was funnier than how I'm about to do it. But essentially, it was like there's no concerns about hair being grabbed. Um, it just it doesn't make any sense. A lot of people have uh, speculated that once they throw a Nike swoosh on those ninja headbands, they'll be fine. And there could be some truth to that. There was one. But, they just wore them inside out, I think. Yeah. So it's it. the whole thing is just dumb to me. I don't I don't. There was I, I came across a headline, though from last season and it said can nba trend of ninja headbands unlock shinobi powers to beat the golden state warriors so clearly the nba is actually banning them because they're a performance enhancer that's that that would be a much more plausible explanation and if anyone cares we built or i built rather an all headband team and i had uh guards were De'Aaron fox drew holiday forwards were jimmy butler and lebron center was Montrez Harrell, other candidates. I think Kyle Lowry's worn them like LeBron in sort of pickup situations. I don't remember seeing them with him in a game. You have Kelly Oubre Jr. People pointed out. I don't think I would put him in the starting lineup. Uh, Jared Allen over Trez would be a little interesting. I still think I'd go with Trez, but there's a lot of Trez, good players yeah. who, are, who are wearing them. You could, you could build a hell of a team with just headband guys. Yeah. That whole thing is very, very odd to me. Every guy looks better and feels more confident when he puts on a suit. But there's one problem. Guys keep buying generic off-the-rack suits. That's why Blue Wire's pumped to partner with Indochino for an amazing deal on a new suit. Indochino is the world's leading made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. Looking to get married? They have tons of options for those looking to outfit their wedding party. It's so easy to get started. Visit a stylist at one of Indochino's 40 showrooms in North America and have them take your measurements personally, or measure yourself at home and shop online at Indochino.com. This week, Hardwood Knox listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code blue wire for any premium suit and it'll cost you just 369 dollars to go along with free shipping this is an incredible deal for a premium made to measure suit once you go custom indochino promises you you won't go back okay now we dive in i apologize (laughs) okay this is from joe uh dash p at jjdfb his uh, pickup basketball spirit animal, this was uh, Dan's suggestion for this time's mailbag, and it was a great one. He says he's a kangaroo because he's Australian and Joe Ingles is his favorite player. His question is, what is a realistic expectation for Gordon Hayward to come back in year two? Do you think he gets back to 75% of his last season with the Jazz? Aside, when I thought people were going to name more NBA players than... That's what I was assuming that was. Actual animals. (laughs) Lots of actual animals came in in that response. Uh, But I respect I respect the kangaroo. Yeah, I think he said it correctly. Seventy five percent seems like a fair estimation. It looked like he was really getting back there in terms of at least attacking in space. Maybe not so much defensively, but uh, towards the end of last season, and then the playoffs came along. That's going to be huge is can he carry over whatever progress he makes in the regular season to the playoffs because Boston's really going to need him to at least create for others and be that guy who can uh, go after it in space. And then they're probably going to need him to be better defensively since you really look at that front court. I feel like they're going to have to run a lot of smaller mismatch heavy lineups and that puts a little extra pressure on him. But just like with Paul George and, and just some other players who have had major injuries, it does seem like you need a season under your belt before you sort of sniff your previous level. And so to hope or even guess that he gets to 75% or better of the player he was when he signed with the Celtics is fair. Yeah, I think that's probably about right, too. Um, he, I, I feel like he was actually a little bit better than people realize last season. He wasn't what he was in Utah, uh, that's for sure. But he had a 57.5 true shooting percentage. Uh, comfortably above average, about a point and a half above average. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize that he only played about 26 minutes per game. So his his sort of deflated per game numbers look a lot better when you stretch him out to you know starters minutes, 16 points, six rebounds, five assists. 
Um, if he gets up around 30 or a little more than 30, that's the kind of numbers that I, that I think would be optimistic for him next season. I think he might need to, to, to go back to sort of his, um, 2013, 14 kind of roots and, and be more of a facilitator this season. Al Horford did so much facilitating for the Celtics last season, and he's obviously not there. And his canter is nowhere near the passer that Horford is. So they may need a little uptick in, in creation from the wings. And I think Hayward's a guy who can provide that. Um, if that three point percentage creeps up a little bit, that would obviously be good. He only shot 33.3% from three last season. Um, but like you said, it, it, a lot of times with these big injuries, it takes about a year. And I think he's a guy who was a little better than, than people thought last year. And I think he can be something like a 16, 17 point per game score, maybe five, maybe even six assists, four or five rebounds. That's still a really, really useful player. And he's multi-positional, which is obviously a big deal in today's NBA. Right. And so after the trade deadline, too, he averaged in about 26 minutes per game, 13.4 points, 4.2 rebounds, three point three assists. And so you're looking at a guy who's, you know, let's say per 36 in that situation is basically 17, five to six, and then four. And he slashed 56.5 shooting overall, 40.7% from three, 81.8% to the foul line. And he was getting there close to five times per 36 minutes. You probably want to see him shoot more threes than he was during that time. And, And we're only talking about a 22 game sample, but that's at least encouraging. And my point was the playoffs. He just, it didn't seem like he played well. He had a couple good games against, against the bucks. Wasn't really a, uh, a factor later in the series, but uh, the last game of the Pacers series. And then the first game of the Milwaukee series, it kind of looked like he was turning a bit of the corner and then just really tailed off after that. Maybe that's encouraging. Maybe it's not. Somewhat related. Do you think Boston will be better than they were last year? Behind behind the scenes, yes. It's just they're not as talented as they are last year. They're just they're not because Al Horford is gone, and people are saying that who think that their defense is going to be at, at least as good. I I doubt it. I would be surprised. At the same time, I, I could see them being around the forty nine fifty fifty one win territory, just because the the East is still the East. You know, yeah. Kevin Durant is not going to play for Brooklyn next season. We have to see how they do. People have talked a lot about the Magic. Are they ready to turn a corner? The Sixers, they look good on paper, but their bench is shallow. And again, this is the first year together for, you know, they have Josh Richardson and Al Horford now. It's different. And the Raptors don't have Kawhi. The Bucks lost Malcolm Brogdon. There's a lot of turnover near the top. Uh, to be better, though, the Celtics are dealing with turnover of their own. It would surprise me if they won more than 51 games to where we look at them and say, oh, wow, they really are better than last season. They would need Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward all to explode, basically, I think. Yeah. What say you? I think win total-wise, they'll probably be right around where they were last season, uh, which is basically what you just said. For a long time, I thought they're going to be better, but I was looking at their depth (coughs) Excuse me, the other day, and uh, it's it's not encouraging. (laughs) <laughs> the depth. So I really like their starting five, especially if they start Tice at the five instead of Cantor, because you've got plenty of offense with Tatum and Kimba and Hayward and Brown. Um, that's that's a really interesting first five to me. And I think Marcus Smart is really good too, but the roster kind of falls off a cliff after that. Grant Williams is a question mark. Um, Robert Williams is super athletic, but he's a question mark. Um, <laughs> Carson Edwards, question mark. It's Shemi Ojale, not very good. Um, just, just a lot of mystery after the first five or six guys. So I think they will be for all the reasons you just explained, probably in the high forties, low fifties. And I think there's a chance that they're better, but after taking a little bit like longer look at their roster, I'm, I'm not as confident in them as I was maybe a week or so ago. And it's, that's where the Gordon Hayward or, or Jason Tatum really, both of them need to contribute as playmakers this season. Maybe you throw Jalen Brown in there too, because the, after Kemba Walker's, the backup playmaker situation, you, you have Marcus smart, but yeah, he's not, it's rough. yeah, it's, it's rough. Are you going to really rely on Carson Edwards or, or Brown Wanamaker to some extent? Yes. Might but, have to. Yeah. Um, Alex is my name at a, I, my name is Alex. I butchered that. Um, how, don't worry. You, you will get tagged Alex. That's a lot more effective than my, uh, 
my attempts at your name on here. He says his spirit animal, <laughs> I'd like to say KD, but it's probably more like CJ Miles. Uh, I appreciate the honesty. His question is – CJ Miles can shoot. So yeah, not so much yeah. last year, but for his career. Um, wasn't he part of Splash Brothers East with, with Paul George? Do you remember that? With the Pacers? I I just remember falling in love with CJ Miles when the Pacers had him playing the four, and he it seemed like he was actually defending well, and he was shooting – he had a nice little stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how many wins did the Knicks get? Do they overachieve or underperform? Well, that comes down to how many wins are they expected to get? I haven't looked at their – we'll have to do an over-under plot at some point. But if we're setting – are they going to win more than 17 games? Uh, if they keep That's up, a low bar. Yeah. If they, I would say yes. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't. I just – what are – what so here's I, where they're projected by 538. Um, 538 has them going 24 and 58. And if you keep going, I'll give you the the Caesars um, over under here in a minute. I'm just I'm trying to figure out even forget win totals. What is what does underachieving look like for this team? Is it will RJ Barrett be a bust? Is Kevin Knox not going to show anything? Does DSJ not work out? The the Knicks fan train is really. Uh, been trumpeting him over the offseason and what he might be able to do defensively and I'm just I laugh at it a little bit because I don't think any of the players on the roster aside from some of the veterans they signed and, and not even all of them when you look at how Wayne Ellington struggled last year uh, Bobby Portis had the breakout year what well, can you count on him you, you know you have Taj and even Marcus Morris kind of played above his head uh last year it's just I, I don't know I, I'm just I don't know how you underachieve. Like all those things would have to go unbelievably wrong because I don't think people have high expectations for any of the players that I really just named to begin with. So 24 and 58 at 538. They're over under from Caesars right now. It looks like 26 and a half. Um, I'm taking the under. So I was going to say, I'd probably go under. On, on 26 and a half for, for all the reasons that you just mentioned, I, I think they'll have a lot of, um, they'll have some spunk to them early in the season. I think guys like Taj Gibson and Marcus Morris are, they're definitely competitors, but I think the writing will be on the wall fairly early in the season that they're just not good. They'll start to transition into, uh, tanking or, or at least we can call it playing the young guys. I think they probably finish in the low 20s. Um, and I think I did a uh, piece for Bleacher Report where I predicted, or predicted, I didn't project, um, the win totals for all 30 teams. And I had them at like 21 or 22. I was surprised at how many Knicks fans came after me for that. I didn't, I didn't know they were – for some reason, I've always felt like Knicks fans kind of get how terrible their team is. <laughs> I don't know. There's like a huge sector that still – maybe they don't necessarily, you know – drink the Knicks Kool-Aid or, or sniff the Knicks cocaine that they're selling at this point. <laughs> uh, but th- they're... I'm going to go with that instead of Kool-Aid from oh. now on. <laughs> it, it, I think it's late enough in the offseason where people can talk themselves in into anything. And the Knicks have acted kind of like a functional organization for more than a year. Although I would argue that the Kristaps Porzingis trade, well, st- it, there's a lot of TBD, but and we're not going to go back into that, but that's still overly impulsive when you look at it now that they didn't sign those free agents. I don't know how you can look at this roster and be optimistic for this season. If you want to be talk about four or five years down the line and say that RJ Barrett's going to be really good and be a primary playmaker, his jumper will improve. He'll give you some uh, pos- uh, defensive optionality looking at positions and that Kevin Knox comes along. If, if you want to say all that, that's fine. If you want to say Dennis Smith Jr. will be an above average offensive player, that that's fine. I'm not here to talk about Dennis Smith Jr. making an all-defense team down the line. I'm not here to talk about the Knicks sniffing 30 victories next season because they have all those veterans. And you know what? If they sniff 30 wins on the backs of those veterans, or if they hit 30 wins, there's a little bit of a problem because look at those players. Taj Gibson is not the future. Marcus Morris is not the future. Wayne Ellington is not the future. And so it's going to be intriguing to see how David Fisdale sort of juggles the the now with the later, the the veterans with the guys who fit in long-term with his prospects. So they view Alfred Payton as a long-term fit. He's kind of that in-between guy. Same with Bobby Portis. So 
there are so many new faces, so many young guys, just so many questions with this team. I don't know how you look at this roster and say they need to win more than 25 games. I would be, I'm going to say, I'm going to be floored if they win more than 25 games. Here's my last thing on the Knicks before we move on to the next question. This is one of my favorite things on the internet. Um, how much time have you spent fiddling around with uh, 538's Carmelo projections this year? Not too much. <laughs> okay. This, so this, I'm just providing RJ Barrett's projection as like a comparison. Um, he is listed as a good prospect, and his five-year market value is $58 million. Um, so that's essentially based on the, his, his wins above replacement pre- projection over the next five years. They think he'll be worth about 60 million bucks, um, to the Knicks. Now here's Kevin Knox. Oh, you want to take a, st- I've, I've already <laughs> seen this. So <laughs> I was going to ask if you wanted to take a stab at his five-year market value. No, uh, but if you've already seen it, yeah. Minus 90.2 million. <laughs> He's, um, he he's literally never projected to get above zero in wins above replacement. This this tracks all the way out to 2026, and his projection in 2026 is minus 0.4 wins above replacement. Um, he he had an historically bad rookie season. I'm not out on him, and I actually think that the combination of him and Knox on the wings is fairly interesting. Um, and in fact, Dennis Smith is still somewhat intriguing to me as well. Mitchell Mitchell Robinson is very intriguing. I, I think he's going to be great. Um, I just, but other than him, I think it's a lot of like high risk, high reward type of prospects on this team. And they're not complimentary. If, if you went forward with RJ Barrett, Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson, that's fine. But now you sprinkle in DSJ. Yeah. uh, A lot of ball dominance. Yeah. And and Julius Randall too. Yeah. It's again, I don't have, they have good players on this team and you look at the season Julius Randall had last year. So if you get incremental improvement from some of the younger guys, including Mitchell Robinson and RJ Barrett is good ish right away. And you know, Marcus Morris is fine. And Bobby Portis is fine. There's a chance, I guess that they overachieve. I would get, I would estimate though, that they're more likely far more likely to hit the under than the over. All right. This is from Alberto Rossi at campaign Rossi. Um, his Pickup spirit animal is Nick Young, which I sincerely appreciate. And his question is, will the Bulls capture the elusive eight seed? I tell you, they have a shot. If Thomas Sadoransky plays like he has yeah. there in FIBA, and we're both Sadoransky fans to begin with, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I'm i still – I guess the word is interested. I'm not down on it. Maybe I'm a little befuddled by the having Laurie Markkinen, Thaddeus Young, Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter, there just seems to be a lot of bodies there. But at the same time, maybe that just provides you with more roads to positionless basketball. They need to figure out the point guard situation still, since Sadoransky's not really a scorer, and so can you. You need Kobe White to kind of be that floor space from guy who can really take it to the rack and almost right away, maybe. But it wouldn't surprise me if the Bulls go after that eight seed they had a really good offseason and and if if Wendell Carter Jr. can start looking at the basket when he catches the ball again if they can actually play faster like Jim Boylan says they were going to and they can get away from those late shot clock post-ups that we saw a ton of last year it really it it wouldn't surprise me because even if you say that even if you say that you think everyone from last year is going to be back I'm I'm still not sold on the magic or, or the Pistons. And so there, there is kind of that opening there and maybe the heat and the bulls are the two teams that kind of vie for it. So I need to look a little bit more closely before I make a definitive call on this, but I think it's certainly in play for the bulls to make the playoffs like you. I think they had a really good off season. I actually don't think they need Thomas Sadoransky to score. I, I think exactly what he's been with the wizards is, is pretty much perfect for this lineup because they've got a, a very ball dominant, um, score first guard and Zach Levine and Sadoransky showed he's really good at playing off a guy like that. Levine is obviously not the player that Bradley Beal is, but in terms of usage, I think there's some similarity there. Um, Sadoransky's a, a guy who's more than willing to pass it to the guys who score a little bit more and just be a floor spacer. He makes very few mistakes. He's got good size for the point guard position. So I think Sadoransky and Levine is a nice combo. 
Otto Porter kind of came back to life once he got traded to the Bulls last season. He was off to a, a weird start with the Wizards last year, but he looked like himself after that trade. Um, so that one through three is intriguing to me. And then, like you, I think there are some questions about maybe maybe too many big guys. Um, but I think if your three-man big rotation is Markin and Carter Jr. and Thaddeus Young and, you know— so, yeah, I don't know. Just rotate through those three guys somehow. I think I think they can figure that out. It's just um, I don't want to see too much that at the three, and it would also be nice to see agreed. some Otto at the four, which is going to be he's probably that not does complicate get things. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's fair. Um, but uh, for the most part, their top four, five, six guys are really intriguing to me. Um, even Denzel Valentine is somebody that I've not I'm not ready to give up on him yet. He still is like an interesting sort of combo forward who can hit threes. Type Bulls of a fans player. are done with him, it seems, for some reason. He can shoot. I know he doesn't play defense yeah, he's, and he's had the injuries, but he, he can shoot. And they didn't have a ton of guys who could do that last year. So I do feel like, yeah, I've, I've seen a similar reaction to him, not just from Bulls fans, but I think like NBA followers in, in general. He shot 38.6% from three in the last season that he played. Um, averaged three assists in, in less than 30 minutes, about five rebounds in less than 30 minutes. I think there's something in, intriguing there still. So they've they've got a bunch of interesting players. And like you said, <laughs> year after year after year, the East is wide open. So there's, there's going to be an opportunity for them. So I, I think it's certainly in play that they make the playoffs. If you had to pick between the Magic, Pistons, Heat, and Bulls, which two teams are making the playoffs? Magic, Pistons, Heat, and Bulls. Two of them can get, and I'm assuming the Pacers make it, even though Oladipo is recovering from that uh, torn quad. I'm assuming. I think, the, I'm assuming the Nets make it too, which I don't think, which I think is a fair assumption. I'm just saying there there are probably six locks in the East: Bucks, Raptors, Sixers, Celtics, Pacers, and Nets, who just so happen to be the top six seeds from last year. Who would your next two teams be to get in? I think the Magic are probably in. Uh, I think Isaac will be better. Gordon will be better. Vucevic, I don't think he'll do what he did last season, but he's still really good. And then I, I probably go Pistons just because Blake Griffin. It's the extra level that he's found over the last couple of years. I think he's probably the best player in all, in that big bunch of teams that you. Well, the Heat have Jimmy Butler, so never mind on that. Um, I, yeah, I, like I'd probably go with Miami just because. I didn't particularly like the Pistons offseason and Blake Griffin been fantastic. Andre Drummond is kind of tilted towards the spectrum of underrated. Now mm-hmm. maybe Markeith Morris has a little resurgence there. The Snell pickup was fine. I like Luke Kennard. Reggie Jackson's the healthiest he's been in basically a half decade. I just don't in the macro. I don't like the way the, the roster fits together. And if the heat can get a healthy season with, most of their key guys, I'm basically talking about Goran Dragic, and if Justice Winslow turning the corner is for real, they would be my team. It'd be them and, and the Magic. Yeah, I I think that's all totally fair. This is a tough call. Um, there, there's a bunch of, when I was going through rosters the other day, um, there's a lot of teams that I just kind of like this year. I, I There's a few that I love, but there's a lot that I'm like, oh, I could see them being pretty good. The Bulls are one of them. The Heat are one of them. Um, th- th- there's just a bunch of teams like that. So that, that's a tough call for me right now. I'm pr- I'll probably err on the side of what happened last year with the Magic and the Pistons, but I could totally see uh, Miami or Chicago sneaking in. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with my bookie. Did you know that you can even bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. Or if you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year to do it. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate this offer. Again, they will double your first deposit with promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Basketaholic uh, at 
Jambalusha. This one might be kind of hard to do off the cuff, but here goes. Let's suppose that you can move X teams from the Western Conference that could potentially enter themselves into the Eastern Conference. Uh, what, uh, oh, what number? We've got some typos here. What number is the X? What is the number of Western Conference teams missing out of the playoffs just because they belong to the West? The way that's worded is <laughs> tough. Um, but every year it seems like there's maybe two or three teams that are in the Western Conference that probably would have made it in the East. Yeah, I was going to um, say the number to me is two. Yeah, it's not an overwhelming number. I think some years it might be a little bit more. Some years it might be less. But I think two is probably around the average. I think the more interesting way to look at this is with league expansion. Um, I, I think I think there's enough talent around the world now that we can add two teams, reconfigure the conferences, and and try to find some that. balance that way. Like, let's put New Orleans in the Eastern Conference. Let's put Memphis in the Eastern Conference. Those were um, the two teams I was going to say. I just don't know how you – who do you move from the east to the west? If well, there's if you no do expansion. expansion, you don't have to, right? Technically, no. But if you, well, I mean, are you going to put? If they, it depends on where the teams are. If we're assuming Seattle uh, and Vegas, then yeah, it's not a problem. We're Seattle and San Diego. And by the way, if there's an NBA team in San Diego, I would be applying to every single job to cover them. I would live in San Diego in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, if it's like West Virginia. Is the team that's one of the things that's been thrown around there? I guess New West Mexico. Virginia. Yeah, that's been one of the ones that has been like sort of hot. Uh, Interesting. I mean, most of them, I guess, would be on the West. But if there's no expansion, then how would you? And they're not willing to get rid of the conferences. The number is still two, but who are you displacing from the East to the West? Is it Milwaukee and Chicago? Yeah, that gets a little bit harder because geographically, the West always already stretches fairly far to the east right. um so yeah that would be it would be tough to figure it out that way what what you just mentioned might be the best solution is to just kind of make conferences meaningless and break it down to the top 16 teams in the league get into the playoffs yeah that seems like the that seems like yes for a while. I'm, I'm, if there's expansion though then yeah there would be and i'm all for expansion let's do it up there's enough talent in the league where we could fit two more teams Totally agree. Um, Caleb Manser at CJ Chase. His uh, pickup basketball spirit animal is a bunny because he says he has hops in all capital letters. Um, <laughs> we already talked about the Celtics, so we can probably burn through this one pretty quick. But he says, do the Celtics have a shot to make the finals? They do. Just because the East is still such a mystery, I don't think – I don't think there's a clear-cut best team in the East right now. I know the Bucks won 60 games last year, but I, their secondary wing situation is wrapped in ambiguity to me. I know they have names, recognizable faces, shooters, just guys that could work. Just after losing Malcolm Brogdon, knowing what happens to Bledsoe in the playoffs, I, I, I think anything could happen in the East. When we're talking about how many teams could make it out of that conference. The number is four to me, maybe five. If the Pacers have a fully healthy Victor Oladipo, but I'm operating under the assumption that he's going to need a season to get, or at least a half season. Cause he's probably not even going to play until December, yeah. or maybe 2020 the nets without Kyrie. I go back and forth on them, but the bucks Raptors, Sixers and Celtics to me would be the teams that can definitively come out of the East with the nets looming. I think it's probably just the bucks and the Sixers. Um, I, I see the argument for the Raptors, uh, and the Celtics. So to answer his questions straight up, I do think they have a shot to make the finals. I just don't think it's a good one. I, I think the overwhelming favorites to me are Milwaukee and Philadelphia. Um, that's maybe a little disrespectful to Toronto who just won the NBA title. But if you look at their numbers, when both Kawhi Leonard and Danny green were off the floor last season, it's, it's kind of foreboding. So, um, I think those two are my overwhelming favorites in the East, though I wouldn't be like floored if either of those other two names uh, or teams that you named came out. Phil at Philly Beach 93. Uh, this perfect uh, dovetail from the question we just did. He says his spirit animal is a cross between Bruce Bowen and ML Carr. That's a deep cut. Um, and he's thinking only Milwaukee and Philadelphia will be finalists. Can you see anyone else coming close? Actually, we basically just answered that. Yeah, um, I'm, and look, it comes back to Philly too, is because what does their bench look like? And then 
you know, the Al Horford, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons combination, it should be a beast defensively. What does it look like offensively? Al Horford is the best shooter of those three, and he's not a volume guy. So Yeah, I think there's there's definite question marks with Philadelphia. I, I think the the wealth of talent that they have um, kind of makes me ignore the questions, uh, maybe foolishly, but I, I think they'll they'll figure it out. There's a lot of like boomer bust type shooters on that team too. So if you get maybe one or two of them to shoot 40%, uh, I think you're okay. And if you get Joel Embiid to ever shoot like league average from three, I think that's a game changer as well. Um, so, so I agree. There are certainly some questions there. There's some interesting fit things. It's, it's kind of a basketball experiment happening in Philadelphia this season, but I'm excited for it. And I think the level of talent is just off the charts with them. Who is their best bench player? I'm, I'm going to rattle <laughs> um, off the names. How will Neto? Uh, that's what I, all right. So you have Neto, Trey Burke, <laughs> former Jasmine, Shake yeah. Milton, Zaire Smith, Furkan Korkmaz, James Ennis, Matisse Thibel, Mike Scott, Jonah Bolden, Kyle O'Quinn, and there's also Norval Pell, and and they have Mario so, Shayok. Yeah, I just knocked I just knocked Boston a few minutes ago for their depth, so it's only fair that we bring it up with Philadelphia as well, because that's certainly not a murderer's row of uh, reserves that you just <laughs> is it James <laughs> listed off there. I was thinking when you named James Ennis, I thought it might be him. Um, it can't <laughs> is, be Kylo like, Quinn just because the minutes aren't going to be there for him. That's what I was. I was going to mention Kylo Quinn too because he's been he's been sort of an analytics darling up until last season. I think he dropped off, but he he had ridiculous production per minute before last season. But you're right with with Horford and Embiid there. There just aren't a lot of minutes. Um, most of the backup five minutes should be played by Horford. So. <laughs> Ennis, maybe. Um, I was I was obviously joking when I said Neto, but he he might have to play a significant role for them. Um, he's already beaten Trey Burke out to a rotation spot once before, so maybe he'll do it again. The, the, you're you're absolutely right to point out the bench on this team. It's it it leaves something to be desired. That's for sure. Um, all right. This is I'm going to try to pronounce his name just because he said in the question that he didn't think I'd be able to do it. Um, I have faith in you. <laughs> or dual. Uh, that's that's terrible. Um, <laughs> you did a little bit of an accent there, too. Well, because he's got umlauts over O and over U. It's O-D-U-L with umlauts over the vowels. But that's German, and I'm thinking his name is Turkish. And so I probably it, just butchered it. And you, you sounded anyway. Irish, so I'm <laughs> all over the place there. Well, maybe, maybe he's got all three of those things going on. He'll have to let me know. Um after he listens to this, I'm going to try it again. Erdul. Oh boy. Um, all right. His question. Well, actually first his spirit animal, Josh Smith, keep shooting that three, even if it probably, uh, most definitely does belongs in the paint. Who do you think will be the most important player from the Raptors this season? Um, and then in parentheses, he puts essentially Lowry versus Siakam. Wait, can you ask that one again? Oh, the best player on the Raptors? Most, most important player on the Raptors. It's Kyle Lowry. I, I love Pascal Siakam, but he's just not going to have the, the functional playmaking value that, that Kyle Lowry does. Maybe if we're talking defensively, you're there, but I, I still think it's going to be Kyle Lowry. I would probably lean toward Lowry as well, uh, but I could see Siakam averaging like 20 points a game, seven or eight rebounds three or four assists that they're going to need somebody like he's not going to come close to what Kawhi Leonard was last season, but they have to have somebody to pick up some of that slack. And I think it's more likely to be Siakam. Um, Lowry is, you know, he's had a few seasons where he averaged over 20 points a game, but that was a while ago and he's now, you know, in his mid thirties. So it's not a given that he'll get back to that level. It's it, to me, it's going to be a one, a one B situation. Whoever's first, I don't, I don't know, but they're both going to have to be really, really good for the Raptors to sort of uh, still be contenders. Like I, like I said, um, I would be somewhat surprised if they were able to make it back to the finals this year. Rom at spider vacuous. Um, with the bottom of the Eastern conference playoffs being so up in the air, who do you have making a nets or magic type of leap this year? Um, and he said his, Pickup spirit animal is Daniel Gallinari because he's herky-jerky. He can hit open shots and he play makes. Um, but God help you if you want me to try on D. That's pretty funny. Fair enough. I, 
we kind of touched on this already. It'll probably be the Bulls, right? If it's yeah, going to be anything. Yeah, that's a good answer. They're, maybe if you want to throw the Heat in there, but they were at 39 wins. And do you really see them doing you know more than 43? I, it would be a little bit no. tough. They're, I'm not convinced that they're appreciably better than last year just yet. And it's not going to be the Wizards. It's not going to be the Cavs. It's definitely going to be the Knicks. Would you consider the, the Hawks? Hawks? Yeah, that was... Yeah. I think it's between the Hawks and the Bulls. Um, the Hawks still seem at least a year away, just with all the young guys that they have. That's that's pretty much exactly what I was going to say. I think the Bulls are probably a safer answer, but I I think the Hawks have a chance to be like high thirties, low forties as well in wins. I, I think what Trey Young did over the second half of the season last year was pretty remarkable. I think John Collins is is a pretty underrated player, and I think there's some other guys there that I I kind of you know I like Kevin Herter. Um, there's there's a lot of interesting players with Atlanta, but to me it mostly comes down to uh, Trey Young and John Collins, who I think are kind of like the modern version of Nash and Amari. So um, th- I think there's a chance for them, but again, I think Chicago's probably the safer answer. Um, all right, let's move to Paul Jeffrey at MacAnick32. Um, his spirit animal is Charles Oakley, parentheses, get out of my way. And he's, Fair enough. His, <laughs> his question, um, will Ben Simmons 25 win MVP? No. Move on. Moving on. <laughs> um, does he even have MVP odds right now? I bet you he does. I'm sure he does. Um, but if for him to win MVP, the Sixers have to be atop the Eastern Conference and he has to be their best player. Which I don't think narrative wise he's he's gonna get that. But no. I, I honestly think there's an argument that Simmons has been better than Embiid over the last two seasons. Oh, um are you gonna make it right now? <laughs> I know that um I, I would get a lot of pushback for that. And I don't think I don't think Ben Simmons is a like a real MVP contender. Um but I think there's probably odds there's maybe an outside shot. Let's expand this, though. Obviously, Giannis won it last year, but who else from the Eastern Conference do we think could win the MVP? I would probably put Joel Embiid in there before I would Ben Simmons. That's for sure. There's wow, there really aren't a ton of great options. It's going to be hard for anyone in Toronto to enter the mix. I guess narratively, someone like Kemba in Boston could really seize control, or Kyrie in Brooklyn. It's yeah. tough. Maybe Jimmy Butler in Miami, but they would have to be like a 50-win team. And he would have to be balling out in early retirement, yeah. which is probably not, you know, it'll, that's, it's, wow. That's, that's actually a really good question. I never, I guess I didn't give that enough thought. It's really, there seems like after Giannis that there might be a, a pretty huge chasm. I agree. Giannis is probably the one real legit candidate from the east it's another way to look at the dominance of the west over the east because if we did this same question with the west we could probably rattle off a bunch of names um so i think i think there are dark horses like maybe well calling joel and be a dark horse is probably a stretch he's probably more he's probably a better shot than that but after those two there's it's mostly dark horses yep um this one is Tongue in cheek, but when we've already talked about the Knicks, Paul Dolores at Pag Dolores says, "What do you make of the five power forward starting lineup with the Knicks?" His pickup spirit animal is a hound dog because he keeps coming at you. Um, I think this goes back to what we already talked about that there are some interesting players with the Knicks, but fit is just really strange for them. I have zero to add to that. <laughs> All right, this is our last one. Um, this is from someone the listeners may have heard of, Dan Favelli. What's your all? I wish they followed me back on Twitter team. I just want to hear what your answer was because you asked the question. Uh, by the way, my spirit animal is probably <laughs> Jason Kidd with a hook shot. Doesn't want to shoot, but I'll take Interesting. Hook shots. And I love to pass. And I'll play defense. <laughs> the hook shot's going to be more difficult with the torn labrum. Is that uh, on your shooting arm? No, my, my left hook shot is where it's at. and So, my, okay. my, my, my so you right can even hand. do it in the sling. Yeah, I'm not in a sling right now, thankfully, so I can't dribble because I dribble with my right hand. I don't know if that's weird. It's like my my dominant hand for dribbling. I don't know why. Well, you got to work on both. Yeah, I'm going to have to now. I played with Adam Fromell, pickup once, a uh, friend of the pod, I, and uh, 
he he was impressed by by my hook shot. We need to have a blue wire uh, pickup basketball game at some point. That would be amazing. I would be so bad. I'm so bad at basketball. It's just, <laughs> if people saw, I mean, they probably already get mad that I write about the NBA. But if they saw me play <laughs> basketball, sheesh. <laughs> um, my, my all wish they followed me on Twitter team. Uh, I was actually asking this for you and didn't give a ton of thought to it. But if I was talking just NBA minds, I'd probably go with uh, Zach Lowe. For sure. Low is who I was going to say. All right, so we both have low. I would have Jason Concepcion because he's been one of my favorite writers of all time. I know he doesn't write as much anymore, but I'm also a big binge mode person. Uh, Ringer has a lot of you know NBA talent too. I'm going to put – this is still sports-related. She doesn't cover the NBA, but Katie Nolan, she's just hysterical. Rachel Nichols, and whew, maybe I should pick an actual player for this one. That fifth spot is tough. I don't know, man. I think Joe Ingles should follow me. Um, Does it? You don't. You have him before Rudy Gobert. I think Rudy Gobert should follow me. I think Dante Exum should follow me. I, I think I've done wonders for all three of their careers, to be quite <laughs> honest. <laughs> um, and Zach Lowe is definitely on there. I don't know who my fifth would be either. Um, the present, the the like uh, Steve Starks, who runs the Jazz, followed me for a while, but he unfollowed me, so that made me sad. Um, I don't know. But mostly those three players who owe me some cut of their next contract and Zach. Wow! Lowe. Look at you taking credit for <laughs> players. That is that is and my pickup basketball spirit animal. I just told my brother this story the other day. Um, I made an assist to somebody playing pickup the other day, and I just jokingly called out Nikola Jokic, like people say Kobe when they shoot fadeaways. And the guy who was guarding me was like, "Oh." That's right. You do play like Jokic. And it was like the greatest compliment I've received in the last decade. So um, that's my pickup spirit animal, Nikola Jokic. You're that good of a passer? Oh, uh, I'm my vision is incredible and my accuracy <laughs> is incredible. Your modesty is incredible too. <laughs> you give me the ball at the top of the key or the high post and you move around, I will find you. That's that's just all there is to it. I think I'm gonna give my fifth spot to Howard Beck too, by the way. If That's was, a good one. If I was going to go off the NBA, it'd probably be Mallory Rubin from the Ringer as well. I don't want to choose all Ringer people, but binge mode, fantastic. I hope someone from the Ringer listens to this. Um, but I'd also like that, Andrew D. Have... Bailey to follow me. So <laughs> we have exhausted the mailbag. Um, if you want to hit us up with more questions, you, you can uh, follow those Twitter handles that Dan mentioned at the top. As always, we encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you've already done that coerce your friends and family into doing the same they will thank you for it later even if they don't right away and as always we leave you with the shout out to Beno Udri Kyle Anderson and Jalen Brunson for the one standing guard for the eagle-eyed for the knights in shining armor and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com/safety or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.